Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Text line has been lively on the Charlotte's Men's Clinic. Text line 704-570-9610. Hit those social media buttons. If you haven't already, today is the day. We're going to have the content with the big show, Paul White, on there for you to check out. So we're going to have plenty of that coming soon. And you can do that at WFNZ on X or Twitter, whichever you prefer, and Instagram at HTB Josh, HTB underscore Josh, excuse me, at West Bryan underscore 72, at Walker Mail, and most importantly, at Walker Mail, I mean, at Wes and Walker. That is most important. Thank Twitter. you. That is. You're just are, talking you, about hey, self-promotion. Listen, you are very important. Thank okay. you. Okay. All right. So last night, there were some important games being played in the ACC. So let's get to it without any further ado. It is time for the Campus Kona. The Clemson Tigers went down to South Beach, Dade County, ranked number 16, and left out with a 13-point loss to the Miami Hurricanes, who looked like they might be starting to get things back on track between Nigel Pack, Northside O'Meara, and Matthew Cleveland. They scored a combined 71 points on the evening. The Canes shot 53% from the field, 46% from three. The Clemson Tigers got 18 points from Joe Girard third, 16 from Chase Hunter, and 17 from P.J. Hall, but it was not enough. And when we look at this game last night, what do we feel like that that says about Miami? Because there are a group of 2-0 teams at the top of the ACC currently, and we know that it is early in the year. But Miami's 2-0, NC State's 2-0, North Carolina, and Wake Forest are the 2-0 teams right now in the league. Are the Canes the best 2-0 team in the ACC right now? I think so, especially with some of the experience they have coming back. Plus, how about the offensive explosion they had in the second half, scoring 60 points in the last 20 minutes of action? That's what scares you about them is, oh, okay, against a team that was ranked 16th in the country coming in to this contest, and you're able to put up 60 in 20 minutes of action, and you know exactly that. Like, you're never completely safe. If you have a lead going into the locker room and then Miami is just able to blitz Clemson coming out, yeah, I think Miami is probably that answer. Having three guys go for over 20 points. Now, no bench points for the Canes last night, but the starting five able to do enough in order to get them that victory. Yeah, and talking about those guys from Miami, big second halves for many of them. Nigel Pack had 20 points going six for six. Uh, O'Meara had 14 points in the second half. Matthew Cleveland uh, had 16 in the second half, as well as Joseph. So Miami's stars turned up when they needed to uh, in the most important half. But, Fiddy, what did you think about that game last night? We know how you feel about the Clemson Tigers. Do you think it says more about Clemson that they lost this game, or this is just kind of expected going down to Dade County to play a tough Hurricanes team? No, I mean, I was definitely impressed with what Clemson was able to do despite the loss. I got to push back, though, on Walker thinking that Miami's the best 2-0 team in the league. They're talking about a team that got ran out of the gym by Colorado and Kentucky. Like when they played big time opponents before last who, night. Who is it instead? You're going. I guess I was thinking more. Yeah, so I know. As soon as that Carolina came out of your mouth, that uh, 
I'm he was coming. Carolina's three and two against ranked uh, against ranked teams. No, I would say yes. In my head, to be honest with you, nice call out. I deserve it yeah. because I would still say Let me North. Get that net. <laughs> uh, no, now we're going a little too crazy. Don't let me get Big Show to chop your chest. What I would say is Miami is the best ACC team, the team that I feel most comfortable with outside of North Carolina and Duke. That's what I would say, and so that's how I answered the question. Mm. But you're right, Tar Heels. Blue Devils, those are the two teams, in my opinion, at the top of the ACC. So I deserve to be checked on that. Yeah, no, and I would go with Carolina as well. Surprise, surprise. I mean, Carolina's had the toughest schedule out of all of these teams. And so they've got some big wins under their belt. And like I said, I thought last night was no small feat. I think, like I said, I'm big on psychology and sports. And I think that when you're able to get over a hump against a team that's had your number like they did against Pitt the other night, I think that's going to do wonders uh, for the Tar Heels, and I thought that that was a big win for them. Yeah, any ACC conversation that we have, to me, it's still going to be, at least now, North Carolina, Duke at the top, and then who is vying for that third spot? That's at least how I feel. Now, you asked me about the 2-0 conference question. Wake Forest is right there, Wes. Are you still saying Miami is outside of North Carolina, the best 2-0 conference team right now? Or would you give that to your Demon Deacons, who you've been hyping up the last couple of days? <laughs> yeah, I have been hyping it up, and we're going to get a chance to prove it on Saturday as the Canes come to Winston-Salem. I do love Miami a lot, but yeah, I'm going to go with my Demon Deacons. All right. I think that right now they passed the eye test of me, and a lot of y'all out there gave me grief yesterday when I said it, but you're going to learn. Wake Forest all the time. They get doubted, and then they just have to come and prove you wrong. But I'm telling you, I'm not normally bullish on Wake Forest basketball, but when you see Hunter Silas and Boopy Miller in that backcourt, and then when you see Big Reed and those guys and everybody, Andrew Carman, Wake has got some guys, and Demar Monsanto may be back on Saturday. They said he's ready uh, to go. I heard from a little birdie that, uh, you know, he should be back on Saturday. There's that damn birdie that again. That damn bird, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, moving over, the NC State Wolfpack got a close win over Notre Dame. They got a DJ Burns shot to win the game despite shooting 23%. NC State was 8 of 35 in the second half, shot 16% from three. Notre Dame shot 30%. They didn't do much better. And 16% from three themselves in an ugly basketball game. But NC State was able to pull it out. And so what do we make of the Wolfpack so far? Is this a team that we feel like is going to make some noise? Because they're winning basketball games. But as far as just when you look at the team, I mean, you look at, you check the box last night. DJ Horn has been good. The transfer from Arizona State. Jaden Taylor led with 12 points and DJ Burns had 13. And I said, I'm not sure how great you can be if DJ Burns is one of your top two options. To me, he should be a third or fourth scorer in the pecking order. But what do you think about NC State so far? No, I think I think he can be two, not to you know split hairs over that discussion. I think he can be two for a team that maybe gets to the NCAA tournament and wins a game. But you need some prowess in the backcourt to help you out a little bit more than going a combined six of 24 like Horn and Morcel did in this one so for me uh i think nc state being at 10 and 3 2 and 0 in the conference as it stands right now you have losses to byu all miss you lost on the road by 20 and then tennessee you lost by nine points is 10 and 3 about as good as you could ask for if you're nc state at this point in the season i think so and they've had a, they've had a couple games on their schedule that have been challenging so maybe you could ask for just two losses that one was an ugly win but they got it done and i heard mac talking about this i, I totally agree that move from burns to win the game was a tasty move the post <laughs> in the middle the one thing i would tell you is notre dame let that ball get to burns entirely too easily 
Like, there was just no resistance where Burns is a very skilled player down low. A couple things happened with the Fighting Irish. One, you can't allow him to get the basketball that easily because clearly that's one of their top options. And also, you got to keep your feet down on that. Like, you would rather have Burns take a fadeaway jumper which is exactly how he got his man in the air, faking it and then just stepping through and then nothing but net on the follow through there. Great move. I don't want to take anything away from him, but Notre Dame certainly not sound defensively in that last possession. Freddie, what do you think about the Wolfpack right now? What's your opinion of them? Um, Were you listening? <laughs> I'm trying to be candid and nice. Okay. Yeah, I know you it know, takes a lot for him to formulate good thoughts about them. The NIT will will, will be good to them later this year. <laughs> this is this is not a tournament team by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I would have to agree with him. That's my assessment of them right now. Um, I'm I'm not seeing that either. And so, uh, moving back to football, Clemson running back and former Weddington star Will Shipley announced that he will forego his remaining eligibility and declare for the 2024 NFL Draft. Right now, CBS Sports has him as the number two running back behind Ohio State's Travion Henderson and the number 89 overall prospect. His best season came in 2022 when he rushed for 1,182 yards, 15 touchdowns, added 38 catches, and 242 yards to boot. He finishes his college career with 2,748 rushing yards, 31 touchdowns, another 600 plus yards receiving and so I think he's had a pretty solid career not necessarily as great as I thought it was going to be coming out of high school but still very productive dual threat back is this a guy that the Panthers should target because I think he would be a perfect running back to come in here maybe not with that first pick in the second round and maybe he may not last to the Panthers second selection uh, their third round pick but I think that this would be a guy if the Panthers were uh, able to get him. I think he could be a good fit with his versatility. I, I like the pass catching. You know, when we asked him, he hopped on the show at the beginning of the college football season, and we asked him about beating that mark of 38 receptions in 2022 when Garrett Riley comes over as the offensive coordinator, and he seemed, it felt like he seemed pretty confident in saying that he would have a little bit more involvement in the passing game. Now, two less games that he played here so far, but when you're talking about you know, 31 receptions, seven less. I, You said pretty solid. That's how I feel about Will Shipley. I feel like there's a little more explosion that you could possibly go with from another, another running back. He doesn't run with a ton of power because that's when they would go with Maffa instead. And Maffa was the guy that you probably depended on a little bit more, especially in the second half of the season. And I always thought that Maffa was going to eat in a little bit too much into Will Shipley's production to go to New York, where that was at least a surface level conversation. But he actually became the better running back of the two as the season would go on. I don't know. It. It, I don't get crazy excited. Like, it's one where, okay, I think he'd be solid in a third down, you know, third down game. And I think he could be a good enough change of pace running back, I guess, especially coming out of the backfield. But it's not anything that I get crazy excited for where maybe there's another running back that tests really well at the combine, tests really well athletically, that also was really efficient at their school. But Will Shipley, I wouldn't hate with a third round pick or something like that, fourth round. I, there's just so many other things that you need, Wes. I'd rather focus on some of the other positions and and take a shot at more offensive line depth, wide receiver depth, you know, just anything like that more so than Will Shipley at running back. Yeah, the thing with Ship, too, when he got to uh, college, I thought that he put on – 
obviously good weight because he's a swole cat. He's not out of shape by any stretch of the imagination. But coming out of high school, I envisioned him a little bit different. A lot of people, obviously, they're both white guys, so he got the Christian McCaffrey comparisons. But a lot of that was also because of his versatility. He could catch the ball out of the backfield. He did a lot of that coming out of high school, and he would break a lot of the big runs. And I guess for me in his career, that was the thing that was missing for me that yeah. I thought I would see a lot. I mean, you used to turn on football Friday night. This guy would have three, four touchdowns a night, and he have at least two of them where he's breaking 60, 70, 80 yards. That's what I thought he was going to bring to the Clemson offense, a real home run hitter. He turned into more of a workhorse kind of back for Clemson that could catch the ball occasionally, and I thought that was because he put on a little bit of weight and lost a little bit of speed. Well, that, no, that was right. If we wanted to go with the white running back comparison, McCaffrey was explosive as hell coming oh, out of yes, college. Yes, I, that's. I mean, the comparison, in my opinion, for Christian McCaffrey was Reggie Bush esque. He that, was. That's how explosive and special he was, especially being able to cut on a dime. I don't see the explosion like that with Will Shipley. He can catch. He can run. Can he do anything at a an elite NFL level or even at a level where I want to spend a high draft pick on you? I consider a second-round pick a pretty high draft pick on a player. Those guys end up becoming starters, and I don't necessarily view Will Shipley as a workhorse running back in the NFL. If he's on my team, then I'm bringing him in in third-down situations. I don't know how many carries, like eight to ten, I, right? Like, it's just not anything that I get overly excited about. Yeah. I would agree with you right now. I would agree with you on that one. And so uh, also to close this out, talking more transfer portal, North Carolina's top 2023 prospect, and I'm talking about the state, not the school, Noah Rogers entered the transfer portal on December 31st. He was regarded as the number one player in the state of North Carolina in the 2023 class. And he's 6'3", 200 pounds. He had his career at Roseville High School where he had over 3,200 receiving yards, 37 touchdown receptions, and he was rated the number eight wide receiver and number 53 overall prospect in 24-7 sports' composite rankings for 2023. So who knows where he will end up? A lot of people speculate it could be NC State. You know, I think he should come on to Winston-Salem, but, uh, you You know. like him like that? You're, you're doing the Joey Aguilar pitch. Listen, him. I'll just, uh, you know, with that kind of pedigree as a prospect and still young 2023 class, I will take him all day long. But when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, who are the coaches that might return to Carolina next season? That and a whole lot more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. If you want to 
catch some of our earlier segments, our interview with Paul White, formerly The Big Show. Go to the website, WFNZ.com. Click the Wes and Walker podcast tab, and it'll take you right there. We had him on for about 40 minutes, the first two segments of the show. Usually we don't get off the bus with a guest, but we've done it now with a couple of guys that are certainly worthy of that. Reese Davis, surprisingly, that he is in the earpiece telling us, hey, I got Reese Davis on the line right now. And this is as the intro is playing. And so that happened when we were up in Boston. We welcomed Reese Davis riding the bus with us. And also Paul White. Need a little bit of a bigger bus for Paul White to ride with us. definitely did. But we got off the bus with both of those guys. And so, again, you can go to WFNC.com and catch that interview. Shout out to Fitty getting that done, you know? Oh, look at him. We're going to need a couple of those graphics. We're going to get a couple of those graphics. Let Fitty cook. I hate that drop. I wish you would. I wish not. I never would have said that. I wish he never gave us that drop. It's the best drop that we got, man. So uh, you're still going to, I imagine there is going to be some graphics out there, some sound bites and stuff. One thing I did want to get to, he said this off air. He was talking about how he had 12 cats. That's something he didn't share. I don't believe that was on air. And so he says every once in a while, like, you know, I just, I need to tell my wife, like, like, I can't go out today. I'm in a grumpy mood. I need a book. And I need a cat. I need to chill in this chair. And I need to be here for the rest of the day. So his wife will ask him which one. And he'll point which one he wants to be a lap kitty for that day. And then he'll read his book. And then he'll get his vibe on. What I want to know is 12 cats. That's a lot. It's a, a lot of animals. Lot. This is somebody that has three, love cats. three dogs and a couple fish tanks. Like, I love animals. 12 cats, that's got to be a lot. What I would want to ask the text line, 704-570-9610, the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. What could get out of control in your life if you allowed it to? Like something you might hoard. Like, I don't know if it, 12 cats, it's a lot, man. It's a lot of cats. What's something you think you might hoard if, you know, you allowed yourself you to could. go a little crazy? And also, too, just the visual of him holding and petting a cat uh, with those hands. It's a little James Bond villain-esque. Yes, and I have a, a second question for the text line I was going to ask because uh, yesterday – you know, physical therapy, taking care of the back. And a uh, cat named Carter, one of the trainers in there, we shared an affinity for fast food and sports. And he told me that he had never eaten at a Wendy's. And I just looked at him with a blank stare. And so I want to know from the texters out there, what is a popular restaurant or fast food restaurant that you've never eaten at before that people would look at you pretty wild if you said it out loud. I mean, that was just crazy to me. When All right, so we, we were, we're peppering you with questions. 704. <laughs> Interviewing the texters. 570-9610. Spoonie writes in, I have six cats and a Labrador, so I get it. Joey from Huntersville, dogs. I could have 35 dogs, but I keep it at three. That's how it goes sometimes. Uh, 704 said, I would hoard softball bats. Okay. Uh, Stanford P, I'd, you know, (laughs) Stanford P says Josh Marlowe memorabilia. I collect that hard for sure. What type of memorabilia is out there, Fiddy, that you have that people can collect? Are there any cards from your church league days with the stats on the back? You know, look, cards, you know, I was one to sell off my game worn shorts, jock straps, socks, armband. How much did the jock strap go for? Three grand. Mm. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of a random what number. What about the I toboggan? Know how, that one. how much did the toboggan go for? Um, undisclosed amount. 
was wondering where in the hell that was going to go. Inside joke with me and Fitty. Casey from Cherryville said sports cards. And then finally, some people are writing in about the fast food. People would be surprised to hear you've never had. NASCAR Mike says Arby's. Joey from Huntersville again. In and out Burger. I've never had that either. That's hard because that's way out of state. But we got some Chipotle references. I see All American Geologist said Popeyes. Yeah, that's Popeyes is surprising. good. You need to go ahead and hop yeah. on Popeyes. I promise it's good. Fitty, you don't <laughs> like Popeyes? Look, man, if if I want dry chicken, I'll just ask my mama to make some. <laughs> Wait, did you just insult Popeyes and your mom's cooking in the same sentence? I did. A double-barreled insult. You must have had a bad batch, man, because Popeye's is normally very consistent. I can't really count how many times I've had a bad batch from there. So maybe that was your experience, and maybe you should go back. But their chicken is all that. All right. So, uh, yeah, you know, Fiddy is out here making fun of his mama's fudge and his mom's fried chicken. We need to move on before he insults another family member. It's Sports Radio 92.7 <laughs> WFNZ. Let's move on to some Panthers conversation. we got a couple of things we need to get to there. So I want to know who the coaches are that might return to Carolina next season. David Newton wrote about this on ESPN.com. Some of the coaches that could return, or maybe you just want to clean house altogether. This is the question I have for you, Wes, because Mm -hmm. when Matt Rule takes over for Ron Rivera after Rivera is fired, the only coach that I remember him retaining was Chase Blackburn, the special teams coordinator. It was a wild decision at the time because special teams was not good. In fact, special teams ranked like 28th and 29th in the league. But Blackburn was a part of the interview process. Matt Rule decided to retain him. And then eventually Blackburn would exit just, I think, a couple of years into Rule's tenure. So do you want to have something more like that where everybody is on up out of here? Or would you rather try to keep some of the guys already? Like James Campen is a weird one for me because Campen was viewed as one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. But offensive line is the thing that regressed way more than any other position group this season. So that one's a tricky one for me to try to evaluate. Clearly very respected, but this year went horribly, horribly wrong. Ajero Avero we love, but we also want whoever the next head coach is to be able to make their decisions. Who are the coaches you would actually like to see stick around if that were the possible? Uh, I think Chris Tabor with the success that the special teams has had. I think if you come in, I think that would be a smart move to keep him on as a special teams coach because I think that's what he wants to do. I don't think he has aspirations to be a head coach or anything of that nature. So I think that he would be a guy that you could point to and say maybe he should be retained. Um, Other than that, I mean, I think for the most part, that's a conversation you have with the coach and say, hey, you know, what are your thoughts here? Do you already have a full staff in mind what you want to do? How many would you keep? How many – you know, will you get rid of? But I think pretty much other than that, Chris Tabor, you know, Gerald Evero, if if he wants to keep him around in his staff, um, I don't see any issues with that. But if, if, if it were up to me and I'm the new coach coming in, I mean, Evero has done a good job with the defense. So I would include him in that mix as well. So I'd go special teams coach Chris Tabor. If he wanted to stay, I would I would let him come on and Evero as well. So here's what Newton says are the have the strongest cases to be kept. Chris Tabor. Adero Averro, Dom Capers, and Todd Wash is the defensive line coach. Todd Wash, he says, yeah. if Averro stays, Wash is a candidate to stay with him. Wash developed 2020 first-round pick Derek Brown into a Pro Bowl caliber tackle end this season. Although you could argue he was playing like this a little bit last year. Not at this level, but he was certainly on his way there. Yeah. 96 tackles. 
Brown needs only three to have the most by an NFL defensive lineman since 1994, which is absolutely insane. Even if it takes another game to get there, you only need three. You basically were right there. It's crazy. Wash was with Averro in Denver, came into the league with him at Tampa Bay in 07 as a defensive quality control coach under John Gruden. So this is for me, I wouldn't, I, ultimately, this is where I am. I want whoever is the next head coach to make their decision on who they want to be a part of the coaching staff. If you were asking me who should be up for uh, retaining retaining that spot, I would say Avero. Chris Tabor, I would love to have come back at special teams. It does feel like Tabor is in this weird area where he could be an interim head coach and still be downgraded back to his original role because it doesn't feel like uh, maybe I'm just picking up on this completely wrong. I have no evidence to back this up, but it doesn't feel like Chris Tabor is out here getting a ton of interviews to be a head coach for another NFL team. And so if that's the case, and there's just no way he's going to be the head coach, it's not going to happen. Would Chris Tabor be cool with going back to a special teams coordinator job, just sticking around here in Carolina, because I don't expect him to be promoted with another franchise, right? So if that's the case, maybe Tabor is in a unique area compared to other coaches who have aspirations to be promoted to a head coach. He's actually cool with being downgraded back to his original spot. Ultimately, I, I just I want the head coach to be able to make their decision without any influence from David Tepper. And honestly, not really without any influence of the GM. The GM is in that area, too, where you hire the head coach to oversee the coaching staff. So let him make the decisions. Let the GM make the head coaching hiring decision, the personnel decisions for those coaches to work with, and the owner let everybody do exactly what they're supposed to do, which, of course, is the big problem at hand. Yeah, and so I think that if you bring in you know, a younger coach and, and we ask the question, do you bring in a coordinator with a lot of experience? I think, I think it's important to have at least one coach on staff that's been a head coach before. I think that that always helps if you're a young coach because there are going to be some things that no matter how ready you think you are for the role, you're not quite ready. And there are going to be some things that they can help you through because as we've heard from many coaches, when you go from you know one of the smaller chairs to the big chairs, there's a lot more that comes with it. Even simple stuff like they said of picking Gatorade and picking what's going to happen uh, you know, in lots of different facets of your franchise. So I think it's always important to have somebody there that's got some experience. But for the most part, I think that they should bring in the staff that they want and then try to provide at least one guy uh, that's going to have some experience to help them out. So, you know, it, it, it feels like David Tepper overcorrected based off what Matt Rule did the first time. What you just mentioned was a huge criticism of his tenure here. When Matt Rule... Hops on as the head coach for Carolina. As I mentioned, the only guy that stayed on board that I remember, I think maybe two coaches did, but I know Chase Blackburn stayed. And Chase Blackburn had some familiarity with Matt Rule during his Giants days, and that was about it. Everybody else is new. Joe Brady, new offensive coordinator. Phil Snow had some NFL experience, but also had gone back to college. That was Matt Rule's guy, and he was never a head coach in the NFL. And everybody else was... A Matt Rule buddy. That was a huge criticism. I always go back to Sean McVay when he was hired as the Rams coach. He made it a point to go get Wade Phillips. He said it wasn't an interview process. It's funny to hear McVay talk about it. Because he says he approached Wade Phillips and said, please come be my defensive coordinator. Here's somebody that has been a bright defensive mind for so long. 
also has experience coaching an NFL team. Even if it didn't work out with Dallas, it's still a respected guy who has a lot of experience in his role as defensive coordinator, but also can tell you about some of the problems you might have as the main guy. So he said it wasn't an interview process. Hell, it was more like Wade Phillips interviewing Sean McVay on whether he was going to accept that job. And then eventually Wade Phillips leaves. You have Brandon Staley. Staley leaves. You get the idea. Is this next head coach, if it's a young offensive mind, Slowick, McVay, Smith, who or not McVay, Slowick, Ben Johnson, Frank Smith, whoever it may be, are they going to have that same type of mindset? And also, if David, Tep- if David Tepper makes you overcorrect, just get one. Yeah. Don't get a lot of ex-head coaches. Because that's what happened here. Frank Reich, already a former head coach. So he didn't really need the advice of some of these other guys on how to run a football team. But what happened? You bring in Jim Caldwell. You bring in Dom Capers. You bring in a defensive coordinator who had been interviewed to be a head coach. So you had a lot of guys that were ready to be a head coach or had already been that. So this is one where I actually have a little bit of grace towards David Tepper. I get the idea. Oh, this is something that was heavily criticized from Matt Rule. You overcorrected. You got you went and got everybody. But like I understand, oh, if this is something that we view as a positive, then let's just get everybody. Like it, it was the wrong thing to do, but I give him a little bit of grace there. Let's just go back to what the normal level is. Get one if you're gonna hire a young offensive mind and let that work itself out. And not to mention too, we we spoke about it yesterday, having those hot guys on the staff that are looked at as head coaching candidates because Thomas Brown, that's another guy, you know that he has aspirations of one day being a head coach, being that next great offensive coordinator that propels himself into a head coaching role. And so I think when you have guys like that, that you aren't necessarily familiar with, then I think, yeah, it is a bad mix. When you've got a guy that you know and guys on that coaching staff, I talked about it yesterday, how coaches, you know, that's a small circle. No matter you talk about college to pro, any of that, these guys know about each other. And when you try to throw a bunch of guys together or force someone to hire a bunch of guys that he doesn't know like that, it's a bad mix because these guys know each other. They formulate opinions. And the minute things start to go wrong or they see an area where they feel like that they can help, then that's where you get some of the dissension, which is what we had when that athletic article came out. So I think that when this coach comes in, they need really the autonomy to be able to choose the staff that they want, and I think that will bring more harmony, more continuity with the staff. Let's transition to Pro Bowl snubs. Is there any such thing here on the Panthers roster? Because we did get this report, or I guess not the report, but the voting results came in just, uh, I believe, yesterday. And there were a few Panthers that were alternates. We had four Panthers alternates on the list. Derek Brown is a first alternate. Brian Burns is a second alternate. Johnny Hecker, the punter. J.J. Jansen, the long snapper. Those guys were both listed as third-team alternates. So if guys bow out because of injuries or maybe they just don't even want to go, right? If those guys don't attend the Pro Bowl, that's when Derek Brown, Brian Burns, Johnny Hecker, J.J. Jansen would have a real shot at this. Is it pretty clearly Derek Brown is the guy most deserving to make the Pro Bowl on the roster? Yeah, I think so. Uh, We talked about the production and the tackles and, you know, his 74, I guess, solo tackles are 10 more than the next closest at his position due to – uh, attributed to next-gen stats, and we know the run-stop-win rate is right up there at the top of the league. And so this is a guy that's been tremendous, 31 quarterback pressures. He's got a career-high in quarterback hits. 
Uh, Derek Brown has been just a force. And you're talking about him possibly breaking a record that hadn't been uh, beaten in decades, but beating uh, Christian Wilkins and becoming that highest title. So, excuse me, not decades. That was recent with Christian Wilkins. But just the sheer project- production that he's put together at that position, I think is worthy of it, uh, no doubt. And then also, you know, I had to get it in. I can't believe uh, Brandon Ayuk didn't make it either. But uh, that's another. Hey, story. deserving. So, but this is the problem, right? Because if you're going to kick somebody out, you know, or put somebody in, that's the argument. Who are you taking off the list? I'm with you, Brandon Ayuk. I don't know if I'm putting him over any of the other guys that were there. Like, for me, that's harder. But I, I wouldn't hate it if Ayuk was a pro bowler. I think it's Puka Nakua. Because Amon Ross St. Brown didn't get in either. Yeah. So it's Puka Nakua, C.D. Lamb, Mike Evans, and there's another wide receiver that made it. Um, yeah, would you Tyreek, be a- Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, Jamar Chase on that's the AFC. AFC side. Yep. And then on the NFC side, you've got C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Brown, Mike Evans, Puka Nakua. Okay. So if you wanted Derek Brown to get in from an interior defensive lineman standpoint, you know it would have to be kicked out, in my opinion. Who's that? Your boy, Javon Hargrave. Yeah. That would be the guy, because I can't kick him out over Aaron Donald and Dexter Lawrence. Those two those two are deserving of another Pro Bowl nod. So if Derek Brown was to be listed there from the get-go, I think Hargrave would have to be the guy. And I could see that happening. Hargrave is a better pass rusher. I don't know about best, but one of the best pass rushers as a defensive tackle in all of football. But his run defense isn't, I don't think, in the same neighborhood as what Derek Brown's is. Not the last couple of years, not this year. And so that would be the only one for me. Is there anybody else that you think does deserve, even if it's tough to try to figure out who to kick off in order to allow a spot for a Derek, if you will? He's pretty much the only guy that I can make a case for. Same here. Same here. Brian Burns, very talented, second team alternate. I'm not kicking anybody else off in order for Brian Burns to get in there. If I'm just evaluating this from an objective standpoint, I can't do that. So for me, you can make that case for Brown. He's the only Panther I can really do that, though, for. Except maybe J.J. Jansen. I don't know about long snappers out here, but J.J., you're a pro bowler in my book, too. Yeah, because, you know, Xavier Woods is the guy I felt like, but he's missed chunks of the year. And then the NFC free safety, Jesse Bates, uh, Demon Deacon, by the way. But uh, he's had a tremendous year, so you can't take him off over there. He doesn't play uh, strong safety. So, yeah, Derek Brown is the only guy that I could look at and say really, really deserves to be on there. And I think he will. I think there's going to be a guy yeah. too that won't play that he'll end up going. Um, offensively, just let's finish up there. Who do you think the best player was offensively this entire season? Um, Is that pretty clear too? Yeah, I got to go with Adam Thielen. I mean, Chuba Hubbard has definitely made a case with the way he played. He's played strong, especially all things considered. Uh, when you look at what that offensive line was able to put out and how he made the most. Uh, with that but I think when you think about Adam Thielen you know his levels of production were that that we didn't think it was going to be Um, I mean coming in 100 catches I didn't think he was going to get 100 catches I did think he was going to go over the thousand yard threshold but I didn't see 100 catches coming so yeah I I think it's him yeah I didn't see either one coming and here's Adam Thielen helping out so I, I think it has to be him too Chuba Hubbard is somebody, if you just go to the players that played better than what you expected, there's not many. I think you would go with Adam Thielen for sure. I think you would go with Chuba Hubbard. I mean, you guys make me. And, you gotta, and, and Pinheiro deserves some love and too, Pinheiro. man. I mean, good Lord. 
we know there weren't a lot of touchdowns to yeah, go around this that's year. Right. He was the guy that was providing the scoring. So, I mean, if you want to talk about tangible on-the-field players, yeah, but Eddie Pinheiro has as good a case as anybody as well. No, no, that's right. And I'm not saying this guy deserves to be a pro bowler, and he didn't play better than I expected, but Taylor Moten's been pass-blocking very well this year. He's been a good pass-blocker. No comment from anybody? Yeah, I mean, you know, he has – he has he's had his times. Yes, he's he's played well as a pass blocker. This since week I give ten, him that. Since week ten, he's been the highest grade tackle in all the NFL. We know. Yeah, I'm just saying it's been good. Those are those are cold hard facts for you <laughs> about Taylor Moten. All right, let's move on. It's time. Fire fizzle coming up next. We're gonna keep with the theme. We're not getting off the high of the wrestling theme that we've had here today. Top five giant wrestlers of all time, or just the giant wrestlers that have ever existed. Wes Bryant. The connoisseur of not only WWE, WWF, but now AEW. He's going to tell you if giant wrestlers are fire or fizzle. On the other side of the break, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walker is a wrestling show now. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules. It's not anything that I foresaw for this program, but those are the rules. We are a wrestling show and we shall embrace it. Fire fizzle. Top five giant wrestlers of all time in honor of Paul White, formerly known as the big show, but now he's Paul White for AEW. He joined us in the first hour. You can go check it out. WFNZ.com. We're not going to start with him though. We're going to start with somebody that as I was doing my research, because I'm a little ignorant to the game here, Wes, Mm -hmm. as I was doing my research, felt like he had some pretty interesting battles with the great Khali. He did. Rumoredly, even like a real fight happened between these two guys. At least that's what I found doing my wrestling research let's start with the great Kali longest yard character once upon a time is the great Kali fire or fizzle to West Bryant well when you talk about the great Kali aka the longest yard guy best known for his time in WWE before embarking on a professional career he was a police officer in the Punjab State Police. So can you imagine that guy coming to a rescue? Yeah. I can't either. At WWE, he was a one-time World Heavyweight Champion, one-time Slammy Award winner. He also appeared in three Hollywood films as well as two Bollywood films. And he was named a WWE Hall of Famer in 2021. And he stood at seven foot one and over 347 pounds. The great Kali is straight! Fire! I ain't telling no man that big that he's fizzled. Okay, I didn't know where that was going. I thought maybe. I, I Maybe we have him on the show, though. That's the way the direction <laughs> of the show is going. So, you're right. That's a nice insurance from you. Now we'll welcome the big show, mm-hmm. Paul White. Mm-hmm. 
hopping on the show. If you said that about the great Kali, I would imagine you'd say the same thing about somebody you actually have met now. But I don't know. Sometimes you'll pull out a wild card. Fire Fizzle, West Big Show. Well, listen, I told you before when he came into this studio, seven-time world champion in lots of different leagues. He's the first and only wrestler to hold all four championships. He had the WCW World Heavyweight Championship twice, the WWF slash WWE Championship twice, ECW World Champion once, and World Heavyweight Championship twice in the ECW. In addition to that, he also won WWE Intercontinental Championship, United States Championship, and the Hardcore Championship, and also an 11-time Tag Team Champion. We saw the man just come in here standing at over 7 feet and over 380-plus pounds. Paul White, The Big Show, newest guest of West and Walker, is straight fire. What the hell did you think I was going to say? Number three, Braun Strowman. Yes. It says Bruin here, but I don't know that wrestler well enough to know if that was a typo or if I was right. So, all right, surprise, I'm right. Braun Strowman, Wes Bryant, fire fizzle. Braun Strowman, native of Sheryl's Ford, North Carolina, went crib. to Bandy's High School. Oh, that's my rival. Oh, yes, Braun? he did, yeah. Oh, come on. Well, uh, I don't know if you would, would tell him that. That's one big man. Did you check out pictures of Braun Strowman? Right, let, let go, me look go, up. Go Bandy's take a look Braun. and then see if you would run down on him as a hey, rival. It's cool. I got Big Show, man. Okay. It's cool. But he first entered the WWE world as a member of the Wyatt family from 2015 to 2016 before becoming a singles competitor. He's a one-time WWE Universal Champion, a two-time WWE Raw Tag Team Champion, Intercontinental Champion. He won the 2018 Royal Rumble, winner of the 2018 Money in the Bank, and winner of the 2019 Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. He also won, before he was in wrestling, the 2012 Arnold Amateur Strongman World Championships on March 4, 2012, which took place at the Arnold Sports Festival alongside the Strongman Classic by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he stands at six foot eight and over 350 plus pounds and he does plenty of skits ripping car doors off flipping cars doing all kind of wild stuff so if you think that this man is getting a straight fizzle you're bugging he is straight fire straight from the crib when you're that cut and you're that big yeah man you shave your head and you got that wild of a beard yeah. I'm good with you going to Bandy's. <laughs> Just don't go to St. Stephen's. St. Stephen's is the one school I couldn't stand back in high school. Bandy's, I had a lot of people that I loved, though. So, all right. We're cool, Braun Strowman. You're cool. <laughs> I know you can sleep at night, but we're cool. Next one on the list, The Undertaker rising up from the casket. It's a great meme. It's a great gif. Is he a fire wrestler, Wes? Listen, The Undertaker, eight-time world champion, having won the WWE slash E championship four times, the World Heavyweight Championship three times, as well as the USWA World Heavyweight Championship one time under his character known as the Master of Pain, not the Undertaker. He's also a seven-time World Tag Team Champion, six-time WWF Tag Team Champion, and one-time WCW Tag Team Champion. He won the 20. 20- 2007 Royal Rumble and became the first man to enter the annual event last and win. He also had an undefeated streak of at WrestleMania of 21 and 0 before losing to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30. 
He stands at 6'10 and over 300 and plus pounds. And the first time I saw the man, I knew because I'd read a wrestling blog that he was coming to WWE Raw that I was attending. And when that bell hit, I still jumped up and down like a schoolboy. The Undertaker, a.k.a. Mark Calloway, is straight fire. What else did you think it was going to be? We have a controversy on the text line. Okay. Mike from Mooresville says Undertaker is not a giant. Okay, well, any man that's 6'10", over 300 pounds, I don't know what you classify that as. If you're 6'10", and you're 300 pounds, let's go to the board. What do you guys say? Yeah, he's a giant. You're safe. (laughs) Mike from Mooresville, I'm sorry. You're wrong. Next one, last one. Let's go to a man that is nicknamed the giant. Andre the Giant. This got to be a no-fizzle list, Wes, but let's go ahead and bring it on home. I mean, listen, Andre the Giant was raised in a small French farming village. Imagine that. Lived a quiet pastoral life as a child. And the size. We talked about it, folks. He was born with acromegaly, a disorder that causes bones to grow at an accelerated rate. I hope I said that correctly. But he was 6'3 and weighed 200 pounds by the time he was 12 years old. Then he opted to turn it into the wrestling world and entered it at the world or at the age of 18. He's dubbed the eighth wonder of the world. He's a one-time WWF champion, one-time WWF World Tag Team champion. In 1993, he was the first inductee into the WWF Hall of Fame. He stands at over seven foot four, or he stood, excuse me, and over 500 and plus pounds. The man drinks bottles of wine like they are 20-ounce sodas in his hand, and that's how they look. Andre the Giant, what else do you think it's going to be? It is straight fire R.I.P. to the legend. Cut the music off. No fizzle edition of fire or fizzle. My favorite. They're too big. I can't tell them they fizzle. No, you can't. Even if they're passed away, even if they're R.I.P., you can't tell them even still because they're just too big. They're just too strong. There's nothing you can do even at your big offensive lineman size. (laughs) These guys are giants. You're big, but you ain't a giant. One more hour to go. Let's lead off with some NBA discussion. Coming up next, Dan Favalli, NBA writer for the Bleacher Report. Here's a question for him. What are the positives surrounding the Charlotte Hornets? We'll get to that and other main storylines. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.